All right, good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. So let's take a minute to just get settled into our space and find anything that we need to make ourselves comfortable for a little while. And as you're going about this process, especially if you have been through a, uh, a, a few sessions with us so far, maybe checking in with what might feel like it's habitual, what might feel like it's routine. There might be something comforting in that too. You know, the moving through your space, finding your tea, finding your mug, finding a place to cup, sit that's uh, comfortable, maybe with a blanket or something. Recognizing that there are parts of our day that are a little bit more routine. There are parts of our day that more or less just kind of stay put. And that there is comfort in that kind of ritual or that stability. And then also recognize though, maybe things that feel a little bit unfamiliar, especially if you are new to this practice. Maybe this is one of your first sessions with us. So just notice what that's like to get set up for something that is a little bit different than perhaps what you do for the rest of your day. Maybe granting yourself the space to explore sitting in a different room, sitting in a different position, maybe being on the floor instead of on the sofa or at the kitchen table. Trying to find that nice balance of something that feels grounding, something that feels familiar, and then also something that is intentionally a little bit new, intentionally a little bit aware that this is not routine. This is something that you're really intentionally making this choice to, to do something. Thinking through the tea that you choose also in the same way, the mug that you'd like to enjoy your tea with, all of these little details, having them be intentional rather than just moving through the motions without much thought. And then as you come to wherever place that you would like to sit and practice today, laying out your bowl, your tea that you're choosing, anything else that you'd like to have in your practice, maybe something that reminds you and welcomes in the autumn from outside, colors, textures, anything at all that helps to make the space set for your practice. And then whenever you're settled, just let's come into just our center for a moment here. So just noticing where you're sitting as you gradually move to a place where you don't need to shuffle around as much. There's no more things to get. There's no more adjustments to make. We're just gradually settling. So just notice what you're sitting on allowing your weight to sink into the cushion or to the floor. And when it's possible, allowing the hands to rest, to not do as much. Allowing the ears to be open to just notice any sounds that are in your environment this morning. That might be the kettle heating the water for you. Just noticing the rumble and the pitch that the tea kettle makes as it heats the water for your practice. You might hear some birds outside, folks moving around in your building. Just notice things as they come and go. 
also allow your eyes to soften. They could be closed if that feels comfortable and focusing, or they could be gazing down at the T-bowl in front of you. Consciously allow them to soften. And just turn your attention inward for a moment. Just observing how you feel right now, how your posture feels, your body. Notice what might be different right now from what it was 30 minutes ago, from when you first woke up. As we move through our day, these little micro shifts that happen. And then expanding your awareness outward from yourself a little bit. Bring yourself back to the tea that you are choosing today. And let's consider the tea that we have. So autumn can be a really lovely time for more grounding teas. Something that feels a little sturdier, a little bit more rich, a little bit more texture. Today I'm practicing with this wonderful black tea that was sent to me earlier this year from some new tea producers in Europe. And something that I was thinking of with this tea is the whole process of making tea itself is really about embracing changes that happen along the way, about trying to force a sense of what the tea should be onto it, but really accepting it for what it is. Now there are points in that that are, you might say, reliable. From year to year, we notice some things that are consistent. When you have something that's new, you really don't have that to go on. This tea is a new one. They hadn't made it before. It's a new style. It's a new season. And so there's a lot of accepting in this practice of whatever comes out. So consider your tea. What does your tea bring to the table for you today? How does it ground you? How does it make its presence known? How does it connect you to your senses? Taking a moment to lift the tea to the nose, to breathe in the aroma of the leaves. And then go ahead and serve yourself a portion of the tea, just like a little pinch, thumb and first few fingers, whatever feels nice for your tea, like a good amount. And place that in your bowl or your mug that you're drinking from. And if your hot water is ready, we can reach for the hot water. It doesn't need to be a specific temperature, just hot enough. This isn't precision tea brewing, it's just hot water. We're gonna go extra slow this morning. So when your water is ready, positioning it, and just slowly adding the water over the leaves, slow as possible that your kettle can allow. Moving slowly so we can see the details happening in the cup. 
can observe the steam as it's rising, the leaves moving in the water. We can see how our action of pouring the water creates movement for the tea. And then when you're finished, just turning your attention to what's happening inside the cup. You can have your hands resting alongside the cup if that feels nice. The warmth on the hands and the fingertips might feel really good. Really opening and soothing this morning. Or you can allow the hands to rest in the lap and just observe the tea in front of us. Consider how much change the tea goes through from start to finish of its process. From being a fresh leaf on the tree to being picked and shaped to the finished tea in front of you. And the negotiation that happens in that process, that the tea maker is in relationship with the tea. The tea maker has some idea of what the outcome might be, but ultimately cannot completely control the outcome. A sense of ultimate stability in that would be a false idea. If anything, the tea maker is embracing the change that is inherent in making tea. Even at the very end of the process of making tea, when the leaves are dried and shaped and fragrant, We might at first think that the work is done, but actually many teas have what's called a settling period, where the tea maker allows the tea to rest anywhere for a few weeks to a few months before offering it to somebody. The tea is allowed to rest, to settle. And what happens in this settling? There's more change. Sort of the wilder characteristics of that tea, the brighter notes, the high qualities start to settle, they start to come together, they form a little bit more cohesion together through their changes. And that settling is when it can be said that that is the true nature of that tea. What it is like on the 
other side of sitting with change. Notice what's happening in your teacup. Even just from moment to moment, leaves expanding, releasing into the water. At the same time, notice that some leaves may stay floating at the surface and some sink to the bottom. They make space for you. When you can see a little space opening up and the temperature might seem like it's okay to do so, we can take a sip of our tea. And here too, going slow, just taking one sip, noticing what that one sip feels like, how the sensations inside the mouth change with the sip of tea. The breath might shift a little bit as we swallow the tea. This too is a change. And notice what happens at the bottom. We drink the tea and we exhale. And just in your own time, taking another sip or two of the tea, pausing to notice those sensations. And then exhaling at the end and noticing ways at the bottom of that exhale. That we go through movement, we go through interaction. And we come to a place where there could be some settling. In between sips of tea, Lifting the cup to your nose and intentionally breathing in that tea. Noticing what the breath feels like to breathe in warm tea. How this is different than the air around you. How does the body respond? How does the throat respond? Muscles around the chest and lungs, the abdomen. Notice how it is through interacting with something that is a little bit different that we start to gain some insight into what works for us.
And as you sip your tea, getting closer to the leaves in the cup, you may notice some changes inside the bowl. Color is different. The way that the tea moves in the cup is different. The water itself. The points where there is stillness, points where there is space and still some unfolding happening. Even a cup of tea is changing the entire time that we are interacting with it. The tea plant, in harmony with humans, really embraces this the whole of its life. These changes that happen. This is worth considering as we move into our discussion today around stability and change. The needing of stability, the wanting to find some stillness is very human. There is nothing wrong with that. We want things to be stable for just a little while, to collect our breath, to collect our thoughts. That's very human. But consider that we can also find that through moving with change, through collaborating with it, like tea. And sometimes it leads us to extremely new, bright points that we hadn't considered before. It leads us to wonderful surprises that we may not have been open to had it not been for something that instigated the change. Again, just taking a slow sip of your tea Noticing the difference of your exhale, how the breath responds to tea. If you look closely, you might see a little bit of a through line from the beginning of when we sat down to now with the breath a sensation, a texture that feels familiar. Something that was there before and is still there now, but just in a differently felt way. And as you sip your tea and get closer to the leaves in the cup, 
just observe how you feel about what the tea is like now. It's likely changed over some course of time as we've sat with it. The flavor might be earthier, heavier. There could be some sharpness, some intensity. It could be really full. It could be even more smooth than it was when it started, but it's different. What does that feel like to interact with something that's different now? What comes up for you? Let whatever comes up Go ahead and be heard. It's okay if something about the tea is not quite what you thought it would be. That's how we learn, that's how we grow. The process of sitting with it isn't trying to deny those feelings, nor is it trying to make it into something it's not. It's just sitting with it. And wherever you are with your cup of tea, you don't have to finish it in this first part. You can feel free to add more water if you like for the rest of our session together to drink a second steeping of this tea and see how it changes even more. But for now, set it down for just a moment. And again, allowing the hands to relax in the lap. Bring your awareness back into the body. Relax your jaw. Soften your eyes. Soften your eyebrow. And notice the sensation of your breath. And we'll sit here for just a moment Observing the breath with as much softness as we can bring before we move on.
अनर्वै प्रजा प्रजयन्ते या कश्चा पृथिवीं श्रिता अतो ननैवा जिवन्ति अतैनादपि यन्ति अन्ततः अनम हि बुटनम जेष्टम तस्मात् सर्वौषधम उच्यते सर्वम वैतनम अपनुवन्ति यनम ब्रह्मोपस्थते अनम हि बुधनम जेष्टम तस्मात् सर्वौषधम उच्यते अनाद बुधनि जायन्ते जातनि अनेना वर्धन्ते आद्येते तीचा बुधनि तस्मात् अनम थार उच्यते इति तस्मत् वा एतस्मत् अनारसमायत् अन्योन्तरा अत्मा प्राणमाया तनाइशा पूर्णा सावा एशा पुरुषा वेदा एवा तस्या पुरुषा वेदतम् Just wanted to start with a little bit of the sounds of this root text that this model comes from. And of course, <clears throat> I'm a beginning student of the Sanskrit, so those are gross approximations of the sounds. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the Taitiriya Upanishad. And so those sounds are at least 2,500 years old. They're so old that our you know, system of scholarship has a hard time locating them within chronological time. You might say that the roots of this text sort of disappear just off the edge into deep cultural time, where we don't exactly know how they came to be. And <clears throat> there's this really you know, beautiful idea within um, these traditions that um, the knowledge is received, right? Um, that this is not the work of um, the intellect, but that somehow adepts, yogis, sages, seers, um, sort of tuned in to nature and received teachings. And the English translation of what I just shared is a, a description of this first sheath, the food body. So just a brief overview of this model that we're exploring in October here. The, um, the spirit, the soul, uh, consciousness, awareness, however you'd like to place that, is covered by five sheaths. Pancha kosha, five sheath. So uh, the grossest layer is the food body, the anamaya kosha. And then we have four coverings or veils of the spirit that are progressively more subtle. From the food body, we go to the energy body, pranamaya kosha. From the, the energy body, we go to the cognitive or mental body, uh, manamaya kosha. More subtle than that, the wisdom body, Vijnana Maya Kosha. And more subtle than that, Ananda Maya Kosha, usually translated as the bliss, the body of bliss. So, starting 
at this layer that we're all most familiar with, right? It's like this thing, this food body, body composed of food. So the translation of this section of the Taitiri Upanishad, from food, verily, are produced whatsoever creatures dwell on the earth. Moreover, by food alone they live. And then also into it they pass at the end. Food, verily, is the eldest born of beings. Therefore it is called the healing herb of all. Verily, those who worship Brahman as food obtain all food. For food, verily, is the eldest born of beings. Therefore, it is called the healing herb for all. From food are beings born. When born, they grow up by food. It is eaten and eats things. Therefore, it is called food. And so it's a really kind of fascinating description of phenomenal experience, right? If you just look at the physical thing, if you just look at nature, you might sort of awaken to this vision of a thing that is constantly eating itself. And this sort of constant churning or devouring on this layer, right? No stability to be found whatsoever. None. And yet, it's the, it's the layer that I think uh, we are most culturally conditioned to identify with. Think about how many of your daily murmurations, how many of your daily thoughts are um, responding to or speaking to the material plane of your body or others' bodies. And so the fundamental idea that I think Susan and I want to highlight today is that the craving for stability is innate. There's this sense that the spirit wants to find home. But to place that desire for stability on the food sheath is to create suffering. The text that elaborates, that builds upon the foundation created in the Upanishad one of them anyway, is called the Viveka Chudamani, which means the crown jewel of insight or crown jewel of discernment. And it's a much later text. <clears throat> um, and this is uh, where this kosha model, uh, according to some of the scholarship I've read, this is where the kosha model is really kind of clarified. So just a few excerpts from um, this text. Uh, 
This body of ours is the product of food and comprises the material sheath. It lives on food and dies without it. It is a mass of skin, flesh, blood, bones, and filth. <laughs> that word, and filth. <laughs> There's part of me that wants to reject that word, but then, you know, I've seen my body produce things. I'm like, yeah, that's filth. <clears throat> and can never be eternally pure, self-existent Atman. It does not exist prior to inception or posterior to dissolution, but lasts only for a short intervening period. Its virtues are transient and it's changeful by nature. It is manifold, inert, and this is a really interesting point, and it is a sense object, like a jar. How can it be one's own self, the witness of changes in all things? So, you know, you, you might find this depressing, <laughs> right? You can, you can receive this information as like, oh, this is bad news, right? But I think it's also, it's also obvious, right? It's very obvious that this is, this is the nature of our reality. Um, it's just that we prefer not to look at it for various reasons. And so this point that the body lasts only for a short intervening period, right? Doesn't exist prior to inception, doesn't exist posterior to dissolution. It makes me think about Sousa's insight that there's this settling period after tea is created, this settling period. You know, maybe that's what a human life is. This incredible, extraordinary, highly improbable, unlikely, sequence of events that results in this form, then the human life is the settling of that, of that form. So how does it reframe things for us to really take seriously this quite obvious aspect of reality? That the way that we show up in the physical world is this really extraordinarily fleeting thing. Richard Freeman, a teacher that I've been very fortunate to study with, once, once asked us to contemplate what the world would look like from the perspective of the sun. Like a, a, a mental exercise in changing the time span. Imagine that you are the sun and you are looking at the human world. You know, all of these lives are just sort of like popcorn kernels, right? It's like a sped up movement, emergence, dissolution, emergence, dissolution, emergence, dissolution. And so the, perhaps the contemplation for this morning is given that, you know, where where does the spirit find its home?
boo doo boom 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself, Suze, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Thank you everyone for joining us for Tea and Contemplation. Um, the text that I attempted to chant uh, <laughs> is the Taitiriya Upanishad, um, or a, a very small section of it. And the, um, the text that I referenced just a few fragments of later is the Viveka Chudamani. Um, both of those are uh, readily available um, via Google. Many, many translations out there. And if you have any questions or concerns about anything that I shared, you can find me at adam at adamgrassi.com. That's G-R-O-S-S-I dot com. And if you would like to chat some tea, you can find me at Suze, S-O-O-Z, at beingtea.com. Adam and I are live for Tea and Contemplation every Friday morning, 8 a.m. Central Time. We'd love for you to join us for a live session. After the recording stops, we always have a group share and discussion. It's a really wonderful time. So we would love to have you join us for a live session. And until next time, we wish you peace.